With that, uh, why don't you open up to 1 Peter chapter 3. And this morning, uh, in this really, this section that we've been going over for quite some time, we kind of come to the conclusion of this section. Uh, and I'm excited to do so because I think that uh, it's a powerful lesson, a powerful uh, conclusion for us for every situation. Uh, m- many of you have gone over this before. Uh, you have uh, lived your life doing whatever you want, uh, being a part of the family that you grew up with. And um, then you came to know Jesus and you, you started asking the question, so what do I do now? How, how do I live now? Uh, what happens uh, now because uh, I am now a follower of Jesus? What, what happens? How does that affect uh, the school that I go to, the, the education that I get? How does that affect the recreation and the sports that I play? How does that affect uh, the job that I go to, uh, the house that I live at, uh, the quarantine that I'm a part of? Um, how does that affect uh, this life that I'm now living? I, I think that that's a, a, a important question. And uh, many times we, in our minds, we think, well, I, I just will do what I think comes naturally to me. I want to encourage you not to do that. Uh, because what comes naturally to us, even as a new believer, even though we've been given a new heart, uh, it's the old life, the old habits, uh, the old self. Even more importantly than school, sports, uh, workplace, and quarantine, what do I do with the people that I meet? Well, what do I do with the relationships that I have? I, I think that that's really uh, where our challenges are, and I would even say it a different way, that's where our problems are. We have problems with people, with, with individuals, with, with, with real, real people with real names that live in real places, that sleep in a, a bed somewhere and go to a job and that we bump into. This is what we struggle with. We struggle with every Democrat. Yeah, yeah. Did somebody say amen? I can't believe that. Every Trump supporter with their red MAGA hat. Every out-of-control Facebooker. Every crazy mom and every grouchy old white man. Unfortunately, some of the ladies were going, now that's good preaching, you know. I I live with one of them. Every entitled person. These are, the, these are the things that we struggle with. These are the people. They're, they're real people. And our relationships are what matter most. And so this morning as we go to God's word, I, I want to tell you that this is a, a passage that's not just talking about situations. It's talking about people. It's talking about uh, really uh, an umbrella of all people, all the people that you will deal with in your life. This is the passage that we're talking about this morning. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, chapter three, verse eight, uh, down through verse 12. And God's word says this. 
Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him speak peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help us to follow you and honor you. Help us to submit our own ideas and our own paths The words that we use, may we submit it all to you and be changed, transformed to be the people you want us to be. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for each one here and those who are watching. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage... uh, We've already heard about giving instruction to the government, like how, how to relate to government. We've, we've talked about how a uh, master-slave relationship, how that is impacted. Uh, he talked about uh, a wife and her relationship to her husband and then a husband's relationship to his wife and how all these things uh, deserve instruction and, and, and are instructed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he says, and everything else, and everything else. This is the passage we're in this morning. If you turn back to uh, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, that's right before uh, kind of an intro to this whole section. But it says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. And then he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The, the point here is this, that as he sets that up, he says, you guys are wandering through. That, that's what we do as God's people. We're wanderers. We're people who are are traveling through. We're not people that are necessarily residents of the place where we live. We don't are we're not connected. Our roots don't run deep because we are connected to a better place, a place uh, that is uh, governed, and we we see our citizenship as another place, a place where God is in charge and our heart is connected to Him. And so we're we're just passing through. And so as we're passing through, He says, "Be careful about how the Gentiles look at you." And the Gentiles being those who don't believe. And, and he says, they will look at you. They will look at you. And you will either be winsome to this message. You'll, it, it'll be something where it's attractive to follow Jesus because they see your life or not. And I, I want to encourage you as you think about the things that you say and the actions that you do to ask yourself, uh, would this lead someone to Jesus? 
In verse 12, it says, um, as the evildoers, when they see your life, what will they do? That they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I want to encourage you that the words that you say and the things that you do are either pushing people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ or they're drawing them in. It's giving them a pathway. It's, it, it's looking attractive. It's something that they go, I want some of that because I see the life of you and I. Um, that's true uh, in every situation. And that's what he's going to talk about now, really every situation. Which brings me to my first point, every situation <laughs> I've used this this idea, this whole idea of living behind enemy lines in every situation. How do you live? Verse 8 says this. Finally, all of you. Uh, he's, he, he's talking, he's, he's already talked about specific situations. Now he's saying, let me tell you uh, about all situations, all of you that are God's people. What should this look like? And he gives five words uh, that we can handle in every situation. The first one's really focusing on the church. Uh, uh, these words are connected with other places where he talks about how we're supposed to live in the church. And so really probably the first three are in the church. He, he says this, he says, uh, have unity of mind, sympathy, and brotherly love. Then now let me underline this. I already passed it, but all of you, all of you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is not a pick and choose. This is, this is a one size fits all, not even most. I always think that's funny uh, when you see a hat, a ball cap, and it says one size fits most. You know why they say that? Because some people have huge melons, you know, and, uh, and, and they need a bigger hat than it might fit most people, uh, but it doesn't fit all people. And I, I want to tell you, this passage says this, for those of you who have trusted in Jesus Christ, this fits all of you, all of you. This is for all of you. This isn't something you pick and choose. This isn't something you say, well, uh, you know, I got a different way of doing it. I want to tell you. This is for you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. He gives us five things. And like I said, the first three being in the church. Uh, what are they? Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love. That idea of unity of mind is being one-minded or like-minded. And that's impossible. I already told you all of us are called to this, but that's impossible. And you know why that's impossible, right? That we would agree, that we would agree, because uh, you have some terrible opinions, and that's why we can't agree. <laughs> and some of you go, no, 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 no. I have the right opinions. You are the one. Uh, uh, Like-mindedness is a beautiful uh, piece that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that's where it comes. And, and how it works is this. It's not your ideas. I'm glad for that. You know, not my ideas. You're glad for that. It's his ideas. It's his eternal, true words that we gather around. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not my message or your message. It's his message. 
And that's what we gather around. That's the way we can get on the same page. I want to encourage you about that. Um, this is uh, discouraging uh, to me. Um, if some of you have come from very large cities and you're glad you don't live there anymore. Uh, but it's interesting in large cities. Do you know why they have so many churches in large cities? Because you can pick any flavor you want. And uh, it's interesting. Most doctrinal statements, uh, they're not necessarily, uh, people don't use them as learning more about how much, uh, how important the word of God is and who God is. They use them to separate from one another and they read them. They, they read and they look at a church and they say, oh, I'm looking for where, where we disagree. I'm trying to figure out how I can find where we separate. I want to encourage you as God's people that we should be, be a couple of things. We should be, first of all, focused on the message of Jesus. Second of all, we should encompass our, our thoughts and really uh, limit our thoughts to what God's word teaches, but also but seeking for unity not seeking for disunity. I, I want to encourage you, and many times it has nothing to do with the word of God. You know, uh, I don't like that church because they're just a bunch of old people. Some people say that sometimes. They say, I, I won't go to that church because they're just a bunch of old people. Or, you know, uh, I'm not going to that church. They have just a bunch of bratty kids running around all, all over the place. Loud. Oh, their music's loud. Oh, I hate their music. Won't, uh, I won't be a part of that. I won't be a part of that. You know, uh, I, I go to that church, and they're just a bunch of redneck hicks, cowboy types, cowboy boots. They look like Sean Kepler in the back row there uh, with his cowboy boots. Uh, or, or they say, you know, uh, they seem really stuffy. They, they wear ties and stuff like that. You know, I, I just don't, I don't do ties. And so I'm not going to that church. I'm not, I can't connect. Those aren't my people. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, uh, in the scripture, your people and my people, it, it doesn't matter outwardly what they look like. It doesn't matter what their background is, their age their ethnicity. It matters if they've trusted in Jesus. That's what unites our hearts together. That, that's what causes us to be like-minded. I got a few more things to say, so I'll move on. Um, unity of mind, sympathy, or the, the idea of sharing feelings and heart. Uh, the, the picture here is this, that within the church, we have unity of mind, but we also have unity in the hurts that we care about one another. I think what's interesting um, in the church, uh, it's very natural to see tears at church. And, and, and tears, and, and so uh, I know how most of you men feel about tears. Uh, when someone starts crying, you go, I got to get out of here. I got head for the hills, head for the hills. Uh, call me when it stops. Uh, 
we, we have that idea, but in the church, what do we do? We lean into that. What's wrong? How can I care for you? We have this connection of heart within the church that we show sympathy. We share feelings for others. We partner with them in their hurts. Why? Because this is what's got, this, this is what happens in God's church. This is what we do as God's people. We share this. And this is the new way of thinking. Unity uh, of heart, like-mindedness, and this idea of partnering with people in the hurts of life. And then, and thirdly, he says this, brotherly love, brotherly love. Um, it's interesting uh, up here in Tehachapi and especially out here in Bear Valley Springs, uh, everyone has moved from somewhere. There's like two people that have lived their whole life in Tehachapi or Bear Valley. And you can tell, you can tell. Uh, I'm not saying anything more than that, but you can tell. I- anyways, everyone has moved from someplace. And a lot of people, as they move up to Tehachapi or Bear Valley, uh, they immediately start searching for people they start joining groups and, and looking for people and trying to meet people, um, you know, and, and sometimes they'll come to church and they go, hey, you know, it seems like a nice club you got here. Uh, hey, you know, maybe I want to meet some people. So, you know, you're the biggest group of people out here. And so uh, I'm going to connect with you all. Uh, I want to tell you, that's not what this passage, this, this idea is of brotherly love. This idea of brotherly love is the idea that we are uh, family relationship connected. We are not casual groupies, okay? We're not people who play in the scramble, right? We just got thrown together and we're going to share a few hours together, but then we're done. This picture of uh, what it is to be a, a new way of thinking within his church is that we are not casual friends, but that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Have you ever tried to get rid of family? Doesn't work very well. And this idea that you will always be with family, that's the picture of the church. It's not by birth, or at least not by the first birth, but it's by the new birth that we are connected with one another in the church and we see each other as brothers and sisters. Which brings us to our last two in this list of five. And I want to say this is for everyone or wherever you meet these people. That he says that you are to be or to have a tender heart and a humble mind. This word tender heart is deep hearted or, or compassionate. You're to care about people. Um, as you think about this, and this is probably very important for us um, as Americans, we are um, capitalistic and that's a good thing. It's a good thing to produce. It's a good thing to accomplish something that's a benefit and a value to someone. It, it's good. It's good. But I want to tell you within the church, it gets in the way sometimes gets in the way of being, uh, what the scriptures say is tender hearted or deep hearted or compassionate that we would care about people. Uh, just want to ask you, 
Um, do you run people over to accomplish things? Are, are you right? And so in being right, does that give you the license to treat people poorly and to not care about them? If that happens to you, you're not living out what it is to be a Christian. That happens. If you justify treating people poorly and with your words or with your actions or not caring about them because you're getting things done or you're right. I, I, you know, I was right. And so I could say those things. I want to tell you you're wrong. According to Jesus. That's not what God has for his people. That's not what the new life looks like. We are tenderhearted or deep-hearted, compassionate. We care about people. And then the last of the five, and this relates to everyone, everywhere, meaning that as a believer, as I come into contact with anyone, uh, the, the last word he says, the picture or attribute is a humble mind, a humble mind. A humble mind uh, reflects on just how we think of ourselves, the picture that we have, the things that we say to ourselves in our own heart, the, the person inside and the, the struggle that we have. And, and this picture is of a modest opinion of yourself and even a lowly thinking of yourself is to see yourself as under others. It's not to see yourself high and lifted up. It's the idea of seeing yourself as common. And this is to drive the believer. And, and why? Do you know why we are to be humble? Why should we be humble? Think about that right now. Why is it that God calls us as his people to be humble? It's because we are, right? Because uh, we are lowly, right? In coming to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that in and of itself that we would come shows that we're needy. It, it's not that we're awesome. It's not that we're strong. It's not that we have it all together. It's the complete opposite, that we have needed the salvation that comes through Jesus. And so as we think of ourselves, we never grow past that. We never grow past the idea that we are to be humble people. Because as uh, one great leader said, we have a lot to be humble about. That's us. That's us. And so as we look at these attributes that should define our relationships with all other people, both in the church and outside the church, we are to be, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Which brings us to number two that we are to be a blessing to all. A blessing to all. And verse nine says this, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for uh, reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. <clears throat> How do you respond to evil? How, how do you respond when uh, you don't get what you want? When people don't treat you as you think you should be treated, how, how do you respond? I, I want to tell you that this section is a section of how do you live with a government that doesn't treat you right? How do you live and, and relate to a master 
that doesn't treat you well? How do you live with a husband that's a louse and treats you poorly? How do you live with a wife that doesn't measure up? And now, how do you deal with all others that speak poorly of you, that don't treat you right? And I want to ask you, how, how do you deal with that? How, how do you deal with people who trash talk you? And, and you say, well, uh, do, do you want the answer, the, the right answer? We are in the church parking lot. It's close enough, right? Uh, um, the church tabernacle or whatever you want to call this out here. Um, I, I know the right answer. The right answer is I, I don't respond in like kind. But if they do it first, if they do it first, isn't it license? Isn't it license that inappropriate that I need to put them in their place? God's word says this. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. That, that word reviling is the idea of words, spoken words. Uh, I translate, if you really know the Greek, it's trash talking, right? <laughs> More elegant way to say it, reviling. It's, it's that, that, that idea. Uh, evil for evil or trash talking for trash talking. And, and, and this picture is... and. I'll just say it because none of you have wanted to come forward and give testimony. Um, most of the time, we feel like we should mirror the way other people have acted towards us. If they've acted, I'm a nice guy until attacked. And then I come with overwhelming force. I, I want to tell you that's not the picture here. The picture isn't evil for evil or reviling for reviling. We're not to mirror or seek revenge or repay. But the picture here is that we are, on the contrary, on a different way of living now because of Jesus. We are to bless. We are to bless. And he says this, that we are to bless uh, because this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. This picture, that word uh, to obtain, it's, it's a word of inheritance, if you will. Uh, it's a, the idea of being given a gift of inheritance that uh, someone else's riches become your very own. And you cannot disconnect this idea uh, from the great truth that because of Jesus, we receive an inheritance that we don't deserve. Think about that. The blessing does not come from an onlooking world that hates Jesus. The blessing doesn't even come uh, from God's people in the family of God. Sometimes the family fights, right? It's not right, but sometimes the family is selfish with one another. But where, where, where does all this come from? Where does the blessing come from? It comes because Jesus won it for us. And he brought us into his family that we would have an inheritance, uh, an amazing inheritance, inheritance that he spoke of in chapter one, one that will last forever. 
We bless for the blessing and inheritance based on our family relationship. And, and really this picture is this, that we as God's people, uh, we're no longer fighting for grabbing for what we need. Why? Because we're already rich. We're already rich. Have you ever been around someone who's truly rich and they've settled into their riches? They no longer are fighting for every penny and, and they, they, don't, they don't stumble over what other people see as great wealth. They go, oh, it's just $100 or, you know, what, what, it's just thousands? You know, come on, it's not that big of a deal. Let's just pay it and go. And you, you look at that and, and you go, wow, that's amazing. Why? Because they're already rich. And for us as God's people, we don't need to keep score anymore. We don't need to repay uh, somebody uh, gave me five pieces of evil. I need to give them 10 in return, okay? I need to make sure this is the right uh, accounting. No, no, we don't do that. Why? Because we're already rich. We've received a blessing. We know it's ours for sure. The inheritance that we receive. So there's blessing for all. And then lastly, remember the eyes and the face of the Lord. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and uh, and his ears open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Um, I'd say it this way. Remember the eyes the ears, and the face of the Lord. And this is from the book of Psalms. This is a quote from the Old Testament into the New. And the picture here is this. And I I say it this way because, you know, I, I have, I know I'm connected with culture because I have young people in my life, my kids, um, Verse 10 says, whoever desires to love life and see good days, whoever wants to live their best life now, that, that's what that is. If you want to live a good life now, what should you do? It says, keep your tongue. Keep your tongue. Uh, to not shoot your mouth off. Some of you think that that's part of living the good life is to be able to say whatever you want. It's not. It gets you in trouble. It hurts your heart. It ruins your life. It causes you to have a cloud over you when no one's around. Uh, I want to encourage you that that's not the way. To keep your tongue, to turn away from evil, to continue to push it away. Evil calls on us and it says, do whatever you want. It'll it'll feel great. It doesn't. It ruins us. Uh, He he says in there, uh, verse 11, he says, seek peace and pursue it, right? Right? Most of us seek being right and don't care what the cost is. I want to tell you, that's not what God wants for you to have a great life now. And what it pictures, what this whole um, evil for evil, reviling for reviling, what that is, is chasing life without God. Without God being the one that you're listening to and, and defining who you are and what you say. I want to encourage you not to get caught up in the streams of chaos, especially now, especially now. Um, 
A lot of us are bottled up because we haven't talked to people and we haven't conversed. And so uh, we have all these crazy thoughts that we need to pour out on someone. Instead, we type them on the internet, right? Some of you are commenting where you've never commented before. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't. I'm not. Some of you think I'm preaching to you right now. Maybe I am. Uh, I'm probably not, but you're feeling guilty, okay? I want to encourage you uh, that we are called to live differently if we are to enjoy the life that God has given us now. And this is so uh, uh, important for us to get. Verse 12, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. That's what we want. The eyes of the Lord watching over us, the ears open to our prayers. But it also says, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Think of the book of Ecclesiastes because often in the book of Ecclesiastes, it keeps going back. But remember, but remember God. Remember that your life, the decision, all this is worthless. It's not a big deal. You know, it's meaningless, meaningless. But remember that, that God is at the end of this. And what this passage says is this. Remember, it matters most what God sees in you and does in you and hears from you and your relationship with him. Those first two where it says the eyes are on the righteous and the ears, his ears hear his prayers. That's the grace of God. That should give you great comfort to know that God's eyes are on me and he hears my prayer. That should give you great comfort. But that last part right there where it says his face is against evil, his anger is going to be turned is a warning, is a warning that, that God sees what you do. He sees what you say. He, he knows what you're doing. And for us not to care so much what our government thinks of us, not to care so much what our family relationships think about, not to be popular and be approved of by our community and culture, but to know that every step we take, every word that we say, every relationship we have, is connected with the God who loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. That we're in relationship with him and we care most about what he thinks about the steps that we take, the words that we say. I think it's important, such an important lesson. Some of you are thinking right now, I'm, I'm glad the young people are here to, you know, here right now so they can hear this and so they can be careful. Young people, I want to tell you, I'm glad the old people are here today because some of them have lost their filter. They think because they're big, they can do anything. And I want to encourage you kids that we grow up, that all of us need to listen to God's word. All of us. Let me pray for us now. God, uh, I realize this passage um, is convicting for most of us if we understand it correctly. And God, we so often uh, shoot our mouths off and 
we feel justified because somebody else said something that we could respond in like kind uh, with greater intensity. And God, I ask for your work in us, that you, through your spirit, would change us, that you would cause us to have a tender heart, that we would not... um, justify ourselves by thinking that we're right, that we can say what we want to say and do what we want to do. God, I pray that the attributes uh, that are found in you would be found in us, that we would be pursuing the very things that you want for us, and that we would be a great testimony for an onlooking world that needs you so desperately. God, do your work in your church. We thank you for Bear Valley Church. We thank you for allowing us to meet in the parking lot on this beautiful day. Glorify yourself in us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.